it's not this more spherical or kind of um, cratered looking surface. It's this yeah. long um, oblong, almost shape. like pencil shape. Yeah, type yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. and it's um, like a giant turd. Welcome back to Eclipse on Tap, where we talk about eclipses and space in general. I'm one of the two co-hosts, Matt, and with me tonight is my other co-host, David. How's it going, everybody? We're sitting here down in the pub. That's right. Drinking our beers, talking about space. And uh, what are we drinking here this evening? Well, we got a Bell's uh, Neptune, and it's... uh more of a it's a darker stout it's pretty good though i like it yeah very very <laughs> space uh, yeah. uh space oriented yeah theme this was from a um uh, it's actually a little bit old older and uh for those of you that are maybe uh, into craft beer you know that some of the darker ales that uh are a little higher in the alcohol content can be aged uh, like a wine would be and so oh, yeah. this one this one was thrown into the old shoebox in the closet and um i remember tasting it when it came out in 2015 and i think it tastes a little better now it tastes uh, less boozy <laughs> yeah it's well, it, it smoothed out a little yeah it's just it's one of those you just sip on yeah you know, yeah a little, little sip here and there but they yeah. make a few uh a few different planets have they done how many have they done yeah they've done all of them so oh, well, not all the planets oh, but no, they have done yeah. seven i think seven of them okay. yeah so um so bell's brewery is in kalamazoo michigan which is south of us by about 50 miles yeah and they um in 2015 in the summer of uh produced these beers and i think i'm looking at the back of the bottle it was after a musical composition called the planets by this uh guy gustav holsts and um he had this musical composition that moved through the different planets, and each piece of music kind of, like, I guess, musically described the planet. And so they wanted to pay tribute to that, and they did seven, seven of the of the planets, um, starting with Mars and uh, ending with Neptune. So this was actually oh, okay. the last the last one. Oh, okay. Um, I know that they didn't they didn't do like Earth or anything, um, but they did they did pretty much all of them. They didn't yeah. do yeah. Let's see, Mercury. I know they did. Venus, Mercury wasn't very good. No, I um, I had I actually bought Mars. Uh, Mars is good. Yeah, that was pretty good. This summer I got it, but Mars is the one that they brought back because by popular demand two yeah. years later because it was that good. It was like a red IPA. Yeah. This one is definitely interesting. It is considered an ale, but I would call it like a stout. Oh like, yeah, like you said, yeah. it's like, it's black. Yeah, color. it's it's dark. Uh, just to my taste buds, that's what it's, you know. Yeah, it's, and think, it's but. got a lot of stuff in it, but it tastes pretty good, and it's uh, it's a hefty one. So, yeah. um, cheers to Neptune. Um, yeah, 9%. Yeah. yeah. Naturally, our planet of the month is Mercury, <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk Naturally, about that. We'll yeah. talk about that later. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a good one. It, it's yeah. fun to kind of, like, I, I worked at a, in, in grad school, I worked in a, uh, beer and wine shop called Tiffany's in Kalamazoo. If you're ever in Kalamazoo, um, stop on by. It's a pretty cool place. But um, in working there, I was given the opportunity to get a lot of these beers for free because the Bell's like rep will come in and he'll say, "Hey, are you are you selling beer here?" Like, yeah. 
well, I want you to try this because yeah. I need you to be able to tell people how it tastes. Yeah. Um, and so the combination of that and just having work there and getting, you know, buying cer- certain things, I have this like whole collection yeah. in the closet, um, the cellar, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty fun. Stuff. Pretty fun to pull them out every once in a while and and taste test. Yeah. Most of them are good. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of those things at the end of the week. Break out something new, taste it a little bit, you know, relax. Yep. Take the weight off the shoulders, you know. Another yep. week done, so another week done. Yep. Coming off of Thanksgiving. Hopefully everyone yep. had a good Thanksgiving. I know uh both of us did. We were both on other ends of the state. You were here in Grand Rapids, right? Yep. I was here at Grand Rapids with the family. Um spent some time with uh the nieces and nephew and um it was good. Um, smaller little family gathering, you know. Uh, smaller in the sense that, you know, the the families are all kind of, or brothers and sisters are all kind of doing their own things with their own families now. But right. had some, uh, had more nieces and nephew um, that run around, and they're all within the same age range. They're all around, you know, the four years old. So, you the know. Toddlers. Yeah, oh yeah, it was uh, it was a madhouse at one point, um, but uh, no, it was fun. Um, just kind of good four day weekend from from the uh, everyday life. But, Heck yeah, you know you get back to it. Uh, this week was a little rough getting back to work, but hey, yep, I had this to look forward to. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sitting down and chatting about, about everything space. I love. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah so but, it it was a little bit of a slow week, I think, for everybody. Yeah. It always is, but. Um, yeah, I was over on the east side of the state of Michigan, a little bit north of Detroit, which is not the state's capital for all you non-Michiganders. A lot of people think it is. It's not. But uh, it's a good city. We were there um, one of the one of the nights that we were in, in town. We drove out to, uh, to Detroit and saw a concert. That was good. Had a good little Thanksgiving with just um, my, my parents and... Uh, and my wife and and it was good. It was good. Yeah. Had a good turkey. My mom went for the organic turkey this year. Yeah. I couldn't tell the difference, but you know. Yeah. Maybe it was uh, raised a little more. Who knows? I yeah. <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, end of the day, it was good. It was tasty. Yeah. Uh, I probably ate way too much for about four days in a row, but hey. You got to YOLO, you know? Just you got to start you got to start getting creative <laughs> with the leftovers. That's yeah. the key. You got to make the little little turkey sandwiches and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. Um starts and, to taste a little bland after a few days. Yeah, and we were we were down here in the pub for most of it having fun and sampling uh, you know, sampling some whiskey, watching some music videos, hanging out. It was good. Got some bike rides in, got some, you know, this, that, the other. Yeah, the weather. Out. Weather has but, been phenomenal here in in, uh, in Michigan. Yeah. Fifties and I mean we're in de- into December now, and it was fifty two degrees today. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy, but uh, yeah. So hopefully everyone had a good holiday, and uh, and the next time we'll talk to you after this will be January. So hopefully everyone has a pretty good Christmas too. But uh, moving on, we have a really action packed program for you today. Some good stuff we're talking about. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with. Um, with our recap of uh, what we talked about uh, as being the kind of the local event that we are all going to attend um, at the tail end of last month's episode, which was the um, the kind of what telescope should I buy uh, for the Christmas season, maybe for um, a, um, a child who's interested in space or just anyone that's interested in space. And that was yeah. held locally just up the street from us at a place called Schuler's Books. 
and uh, put on by the Grand Rapids Amateur Astronomical Association. Yep. And, um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was uh, very insightful. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was people there. Um, I mean, shoot, I think people even brought little telescopes to mm-hmm. learn about them. That they yeah. probably they probably bought them. They didn't know anything about them, and so they brought them. Uh, there was a couple guys there that really were were kind of leading the whole uh, presentation and very informative about you know, don't get too crazy, especially if it's your kid's first telescope get something a um, little bit more basic. Um, they, they laid out some good examples of what to get and mm-hmm. uh, also, um, you know, things to avoid as far as, you know, maybe a little bit too much technology right. into the telescope. Um, but overall, I think it was good. I think even for me, it was great because, you know, I, I have a Odyssey compact 10-inch telescope and, you know, it's one of those things you kind of you learn a lot more like i don't know very much about it uh my dad knows a lot more but it's good to just hear from those guys what to look for you know eventually down the road i'll probably be looking for another one too so yeah it was it was very uh a very good presentation i went about two hours i would say actually a lot of a lot of information but not it was designed for um for people getting into the hobby um Yep. yep and you know, every once in a while, they, they would maybe try to field a question that was a little more advanced, but I think they did a really nice job. I think uh, there was probably, like, well over 20 people there, right? Maybe 30? Oh, easily. It was, it was probably 25, 30, yeah, yeah. I would and, think. And to so, put that into yeah. perspective, the little area that they were holding it in um, probably had that many, if not less, seats. So it was, yeah. it was full. Um, yeah. It wasn't like uh, just just us and a few others showed up. It was a lot of people there. Ranging from uh, folks who have been in the hobby for a really long time to you know a mom looking to buy her her uh, science oriented child uh, their first telescope. Yeah. And I think one of the things that they did a nice job of was, like David said, kind of um, making it pretty clear that you want to spend um, enough money to get yourself into a, a point where you're not going to be too frustrated with a lack of technology, but not spending too much where you're going to be frustrated trying to fiddle with. I think it was like Star Tracker. What, what's the term of the GPS thing that like locates where you need to be in the sky? Um, I can't remember. It was this on some telescopes they have this. It's basically like a little computer remote control thing. Um, and and pardon me for not knowing the correct terminology. Most of you listening probably know more than I do. But um, it has to be basically. You have to align them before you actually right. use them, and I think a lot of people figure, okay, yeah, I'm going to set the thing out on my driveway and press go, and it's just going to find the right location in the sky. Yeah. Um, but that obviously doesn't work. So they were basically saying, hey, instead of going that route, right when you get it, people think, oh, that's going to be the easiest way to find stuff. Mm-hmm. They kind of delivered the message, which I completely agree with and something that I need to work on and I really would like to over the next year is actually learning how to read the night sky you yes. know my dad knows how to do that um, and he he literally we can go out any night of the week any time of the year and he can point out what is what in the sky yeah pretty amazing which is it's just one of those things that I would love to be able to do and I that's that's a goal of mine um, over the next year or so mm-hmm. and they said it would take a you know it takes about a year to right. learn the night sky because obviously each month is going to be different yep everything's um, so, changing um that's that's kind of the 
the the gist of what they're the message they're trying to get across. Don't go for something that's just going to have an automatic you know tracker uh, where you it, it, you know you a program what you want to look at mm-hmm. into the telescope and it tries to find it because it you'll end up looking at black sky if you yeah. do that because it has to be specifically you know set up and aligned and all that so it actually knows what direction to point. Yeah, uh, they're not. It's not something where it's hooked up to you know. A, a satellite. Satellite. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're, they're going to have stuff like that eventually. Maybe they do. Mm-hmm. There's somewhere. But that's kind of the message. And I, I agree because it's one of those things you want to, you don't want to, um, you know, it's like I can compare it to bikes or something like that. You don't want to get the nicest bike ever and not know anything about how it works or right. anything like that. Or it, The same with the night sky. You don't want to go get something that's way above your head as far as technology goes for a telescope mm-hmm. and not even know how to read the night sky with a, without looking at any, anything, you know. so Exactly. I think they were using the analogy of cameras as a lot, too. Obviously, cameras and telescopes kind of go hand-in-hand hand in some ways as far as uh, certain terminology. But going out, if you're if you're really into cameras and you happen to have a, a really big budget for a camera, you don't want to go out and buy the best one with the best lens because if you don't know some of the things about aperture and you know f-stop and all these other photography terms and just how to like visualize something in a photo, then it's not you're you can't even take advantage of the possibilities of what that technology is capable of. Yeah. And that was exactly what their point was, and yeah. I think that's the case. Is like you get people who like really want to just plug in a star and it go but until you can orient it properly it's not worth it yeah exactly it it's uh better to go um you know keep it keep it simple for mm-hmm. the first one at, at least the first one um you know that's what that's what i did with my first scope and um and that's what my dad uses for them for the most part all the time um yeah. so yeah, and the words of you know, Michael Scott from The Office, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> that's right. Um, just a simple, like, as far as the mount goes, you know, the Dobsonian mount, um, very easy to, to rotate, move around. Yep. Um, you know, there's not, it's not going to be an electronic, you know, base where you're having to, you're using a remote to move anything. It's, it's very simple, um, very straightforward. Um, that's what they kind of said. That was you know at the end the end message was basically that's kind of the one to go with um, at at the end um at the end of the day but depends on you know size wise you probably want to go a little bit smaller but um just as far as mobility goes you don't want to have to haul something around that's you know about five feet tall tall, yeah 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 so um yeah, they, they kind of, they, they started out with just like the basic differences between some of the, the main types of telescopes. They had refractor, reflector, and compound or cassegrain telescopes. So refractor being that you've got a, an eyepiece at the end, and you've got an objective lens at the other end of the tube. And in between that, you've got a very long tube. And the, the width, or sorry, the diameter of that tube and the size of that uh, objective lens and the eyepiece and all that, um, of course plays into your ability to see further into deep space and whatnot. But that was um, kind of what their recommendation was. Like a, um, what did they say, like a six-inch refractor or something like that? Something like a six-inch. Six-inch in diameter, that is. So you're you're starting out, and and if you have the space um, and the money to, to, to purchase that, that was like their end, like, okay, here's the, we talked about this for two hours. If you have, 
I think 200 to 300 bucks to throw at this. This is what you should buy, or a six inch refractor on a Dobsonian mount, because then you can swivel it like you need, you can pitch it like you need to, you yep. can learn the night sky, um, you don't have to f you know, fuss with all the technology and the GPS and all this, yep. uh, you'll be good to go. But they also talked about reflectors, which can be a little bit shorter given that they have a mirror towards the back end where the, uh, where the eyepiece is. Um, and that shoots the, the the light that you're visualizing up into the eyepiece. Yep. And then the compound are the smallest. They, they can be actually very, very small, the actual length of the tube, because what they have is a, a secondary um, mirror lens that kind of bounces the light back and forth within the tube. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those would be good maybe for, for someone that's looking to travel. And I think he, the gentleman that was running it said that he even uses his Cassegrain as a, like, terrestrial scope yeah like when he's going he goes to yellowstone or something and he wants to look way out at a grizzly bear he actually uses that yeah which is pretty yeah. cool he can hook up his you know canon camera or whatever it is to the eyepiece and and call it good with that so if you're looking for kind of that dual action type device you go compound maybe but yeah they, they did a really nice job um of uh of making it pretty clear what you're looking to buy. Yeah, they they also touched which I kind kind of found very um, very good for you know just the general crowd that was there. Um, you know, places to go to actually view through your telescope the night sky. Places not to go like don't go on your deck to right. go view oh, the yeah. night sky. Yeah, that was a very good point that he made. Of the vibrations from walking around on the deck because you're you're not going to be able to see anything. Um, so if you are a first-time telescope buyer and you go out and you think, okay, I, this is perfect. I got a back porch deck or something like that. I'm going to go out there. Yep. Don't do that. You want to be on solid ground um, somewhere where you're not going to be bumping into the telescope, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, just to be able to get a steadier view. Go somewhere where there's not a lot of street lighting or light pollution within the area. Um, use a a red flashlight so you have red light so you don't you know disturb the uh the you know the your eyes adjusting to the light and all that so mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff he explained which is really good because you know for first time telescope buyers or you know you know people who just are getting into this don't really realize that kind of stuff that's one of the, I wouldn't think of that you know I wouldn't no, think not oh, at all at the end of the day like I and I even think the first time I had my telescope I brought it out on the deck mm -hmm. and uh and I was just viewing the moon and everything, so it wasn't as as much of a problem. But right. um, if you're looking at something further away, if you're looking at Saturn or Jupiter or Mars or something like that, yeah. you're going to have issues with the telescope vibrating and all that, The the I guess, the further away the object would be. so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got the little vibrations. Even even if no one's on your deck walking there, maybe if your, your deck, I'm assuming, it would be connected to your house and then someone's walking in the yeah. house. All those little micro vibrations... And, you know, the <laughs> what I thought was cool is this guy was a true badass because he was like, you know what? I like my deck, so I'm going to build my deck around my telescope. That's ex exactly what he did. <laughs> and that's super yeah. cool. I mean, yeah. that would be ideal. In, in the future, if I've got a house with a, with a deck built around a telescope that has, like, I think he said, didn't he, like, lay concrete down? Like in like to yeah, the ground to keep into it the ground super to, stable. Yep, to keep it stable. Yep, and that's actually so the actual most observatories and the one that we have that they actually use um, for the club, the Grand Rapids yeah, Astronomy the, Club, the they, Veen Observatory. Yeah. Yep. So they 
that's if you actually go there that I mean, he made it very clear like there's nothing other than the ground and the mount into the ground holding the telescope there's nothing touching that right because you don't want anything any kind of disturbance whether it's wind or anything like that as far as you know that that's totally going to mess up everything the other thing he pointed out was um if you're going out and it's you know humid or it's extremely cold out um about letting your telescope kind of acclimate to right. if you or take it out of the garage or take it out of the basement or the your house or something like that and you're going out and it's only 40 degrees out you want to let that cool off mm -hmm. just because of the moisture and all that kind of stuff yeah it's going to disturb the image and all that so he said around 10 10 minutes 20 minutes yeah. to let it cool yeah off depending on <clears throat> depending on the size of your objective lens but he's like yep. you know if you go out there and you throw it out you want to look right away even in a day where it's relatively neutral humidity and everything you're still going to be having to go out and wipe that yeah. objective or whatever it may be so um yeah it was a it was a great talk uh we got to kind of chat with some folks that were there um and and browse around um and then that led into your exploration of the bookstore as far as yeah. looking into other like very specific space things and it was surprising well, the result right well, besides us uh, looking around at the used CDs at <laughs> yeah. Schuler's after the uh, the uh, talk at uh, at the the club meeting, um, a couple of days ago, I just decided to go to the our local local uh, bookstore just to look around at um, Barnes and Noble, and just happened to go into the science section naturally. Right. Um, walked around a little bit, and there there were at least uh, at least about you know, eight different books on the Eclipse and on all that kind of stuff, um, besides what they normally have. And I just sat there for about pretty much like an hour and just flipped through some of the books. And there's some really, I, I found it really cool that they actually did that because I know some of them probably came out before the the last Eclipse we just had over the summer. Right. But they're, they're also talking about like the book that uh, I actually picked up a book and brought it home and uh, it's basically a complete guide to, you know, maybe the first time eclipse viewer, eclipse chaser, or something like that that's going to look at the 2024 eclipse didn't get to see the full total eclipse this summer. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of tells you what to expect, what's going to happen, where to go, you know, understand all the elements of what's going to happen during the eclipse. Um, kind of gives a just a good it's very well written. I've only read, you know, maybe a chapter into it so far. I've only had it about a week, but um, very informative, and um, it's just a good, for somebody who hasn't, even somebody who has, like myself and yourself, mm -hmm. it's good. I mean, I, it was great to read it. I was just getting goosebumps reading it again, because I was like, oh man, I, I remember the feeling, but yeah. So, but end of the day, yeah, it's good to see that you know that many books out there right now yeah. that are just all about the eclipse and astronomy. I think people are getting excited about it. I think people, it's it's probably I'm guessing, um, it's I think there's people like going out and get, are motivated to write books about it. Maybe that yeah, you know I, that I hadn't think. before. I think there's people that just out of the blue. All right, I'm gonna put a book out. Maybe you know, hopefully it's in it's in good taste, not just to make a buck off of a book, but hopefully it's good to. They they really have their heart into it and want to get the message out there and um, the one that I'm reading right now is 
I, I think it, it's just a great book to, to have. And it tells you about the 2024 eclipse. gives you a whole line of what, what's going to happen in the future with, nice. you know, not just in the U.S., but all that kind of stuff. So it's, I think it's really cool. I, it, I put a smile on my face when I went and saw all that, but that's cool good to see. It, it really, yeah. I mean, if you figure, like we were, David and I were just talking recently about how, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but our initial goal was to go to Carbondale, Illinois, and we made the last second decision based on whether to go to Hopkinsville, Kentucky to view the eclipse, and that at the point of totality, a cloud literally covered the sun. Yeah. And for the first minute or so of the two minutes that were available to see, or two minutes and 30 seconds or what it was, of totality were just kind of erased. Yeah. And, you know, people, I don't think, maybe realize, like, okay, I'm going to go to Carbondale, and that's where I'm going to go, and I don't have any other options, whatever. And maybe for the next time, they'll they'll be more prepared if they have the means to. Obviously, if you're with your family and stuff, if you're going to go somewhere, I you know, obviously it's understandable not to be able to like what we were we were very vol or uh, yeah volatile with our with our plans fluid yeah. but um just being able to like understand the how difficult it is to see it in its full totality without yeah. any clouds or anything no disturbance or no anything disturbance like that, yeah, yeah just just finding the right spot and that's what's cool about these books is um it will prep people for the 2024. And that's why yeah. we're doing like this podcast too. Yeah. Somebody exactly. might have just have been more enthusiastic than us and was like, yeah. I'm going to write a freaking book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to a podcast. We're going to make a podcast, but yeah. yeah, you can write your book. Yeah. But yeah. That, I mean, and that, that is cool. It is super cool because, um, I can, I can only hope that the 2024 will be even more of a mayhem to get to like that. Yeah. We were sitting in traffic for how long to get out of there. I honestly, yeah. I hope it's even longer because then yeah. you know more people saw it. Yeah, um, and, and this next one's gonna be twice as long. As twice as, as long. Yeah. Goes. So twice as um, long and in more. But, even it probably yeah. through. I would say a more um, overall. If you're take like the whole population of the whole strip of totality, probably yeah. more populated. Yeah, and that it's you know. Yeah. But, you know we've talked more about East that Coast, but, exactly. Yeah, East Coast yeah. and through the Midwest and everything. But yeah, that's I, cool. So what was the book yeah. called? So it's actually just it's 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 actually called totality, which is fitting. A, I admit I saw it. I was just kind of I mean looking through you know scanning the books and I was like oh my god got a little shiver oh my <laughs> god I need to look at that one so picked it up um, totality the great American eclipses of 2017 and 2024 um, that's what it's titled but it actually goes through and you you actually can read about. Um, you know, past eclipses, it actually goes and it'll actually show you path of totality for the next, you know, 60 years. I'm right. pretty, you know, it just, it goes on and on and on. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but it, it, the thing I like about it is the guy that is basically, um, that basically wrote the book, he's kind of going through because he had not seen an eclipse before he wrote this. So it was mm-hmm. kind of, he's kind of going through and, but he's at the same time um, a very smart guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's an astronomer. He, you know, he's not uh, an amateur by any means. He just has never seen a total eclipse, right. and that's because of life. Yeah, because it's in virtually you know it's your your funding and your you know all those kind of things. It, it's it's not cheap, especially since we haven't had one in the United States, and you know some time. Um, 
it's one of those things if you can't just pack your bags and buy a, a plane ticket and drop how much you know a right. couple hundred bucks on a plane ticket yeah. and then go to the it, it's hard to get to especially if you have a family all that kind of stuff for me and i wish i would have been more inspired to go you know way way back uh you know, whatever, and 99 or something, I could have gone to Europe or something like that and seen right. the eclipse. But, yeah. um, you know, just depends uh, on your on your means of life and what you have to work with. And this one happened to go through the U.S., so he was able to see it. And, yeah, and kind of, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, where you're so, at in life, too. Like, when yeah. we were, you know, in 1999, you were, what, 11 or something? Yeah. I was 9. Yeah. We, were, we were, like, just I mean, kids, I can't you know? just buy a plane ticket. Yeah, we're just totality kids. totality in Europe, so. But this, but. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about how fortunate we were to have been, like, in where we were at in life as far as our age and our interest and everything in space and eclipses and stuff. Um, how that meshed with where we just saw the eclipse. Yeah, it's just it's cool. it's cool just to see, you know, all that kind of stuff coming out now. I think it's going to be since we had this crazy, crazy rare event that came literally right across our whole continent of the U.S. I think I think it's inspired a lot of people. It's inspired yeah. me. Yes, it's inspired you. Both of us. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always been into. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Apollo 13. I've always been into Apollo since I was a little kid and space flight and exploration and all that. But this is actually, this is totally kicked it into that. That was like a little thing in the back of my head. Like as a little kid, it was a, you know, one of those little dreams you have, like that'd be so cool to be yeah. an astronaut. Uh-huh. And now it's just, I, I can't even, I don't know. It's just, it's an, it's nuts. Now I'm, I, it's an exciting thing. And I, I creep on YouTube on a daily basis, <laughs> just watching, watching people's videos. It's, it's, it's really cool to see people's videos from, you know, Madras, Oregon or, yeah. you know, wherever they were. It's just, it's awesome. So it, anyhow, good to, good to see books like that come out. So. Yeah. And Hey, maybe after we go to see the 2019 solar eclipse in Chile, we'll write a book maybe about uh, our adventure in South America. Yeah. yeah. You, you never do. know. Hey, that's they, a couple of years from now. So, yeah, uh, that will that will be uh, hopefully book worthy. Yeah, um, of an experience will be I super think cool. It, I can't imagine it won't be book worthy. I mean, um, traveling down to South America <laughs> to yeah. see this eclipse. It's that it's that worth it, people. Yeah, um, got to do it. And if if you don't believe us listening to this podcast, if you've somehow stumbled upon us, go pick up this book. Who's it written by? This is actually by uh, Mark Littman and Fred Espinak. All right, go so. pick it up. We're not sponsored by them, but hey, you know what? You should go pick it up anyway. Pick it up. Or, you, know, you know what would be funny? Yeah. Is if that book was written by that, that guy that was with us from Texas that we didn't That'd know. Be, if it was, what was his name, Ben? <laughs> he, he wrote it in like a month. Yeah, <laughs> he was just like, on the bookshelf. Yeah. you know what? I've never seen an eclipse. I've never looked through a telescope, yeah. but you know what? I'm writing a book. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a pretty big book too. It's got it a is. lot a lot of information. I'm, I imagine. Yeah, it's um, it's it's just a very good. It explains the experience very well. Describes it very well um, in the very beginning, which is where I'm at right now. But uh, I think towards the middle to end, it it, it kind of touches on you know what to look for, where to you know that kind of thing, and you know um, what you're actually looking at. Yeah. I think most people don't know what they're looking at, but. Most people do because of the media and all that stuff, the hype leading up to this past one. And if you were out and you were looking at it, you kind of had a sense for what you were looking at. Right. Um, and it's fine if you didn't. And, and it's one of those things. It's just a one of those, you know, things you, you know, look at it and 
just enjoy it for what it is and you don't have to know what's going on other than that's the moon covering the sun really yep. but yeah yeah from um, yeah exactly yeah um i just think uh yeah it's good to it's really inspiring to me to see that kind of stuff i i did not expect to walk up there i thought okay yeah i'll see one book or something like that about, about the solar eclipse. system yeah, yeah. yeah or something but, yeah. yeah but it's and it's usually they have a you know norm normally like the bigger bookstores around town they they have a lot of stuff about you know Apollo and um, you know all that kind of stuff like Journey to Mars that kind of yeah. stuff um, the planets in general but to walk up and uh, and see about you know eight books or something like that uh, all different about the eclipse that was um, that was pretty cool so that's awesome yeah. I think our our preliminary book title should be how the hell can I get myself into the shadow of the moon <laughs> written yeah. by Matt and David <laughs> well they're actually and I kid you not there was a there was an eclipse book called In the Shadow of the Moon. Oh, man. <laughs> and I actually, it a shiver down my yeah, spine. And I actually almost got that one, too. Um, but I was like, ah, oh, this is the first one that caught my eye, and this one looks pretty interesting, so I'm going to grab this one. And I probably will end up grabbing the other one, too. But, Why not? Um, it's, uh, yeah. And there was another one, I think it was called The Sun's Mask. Oh too. yeah, so that's and they just that that people are getting creative. On I us. took I took a uh, I took a stool mm-hmm. that they have mm-hmm. sitting on the floor, and I just sat yep. down and I just crouched, and I was just I was that weirdo in the corner in the science section, just looking through books. But hey, you know what? But, hey, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? You got you got to do what you got to do. You got to be you. Yep. You know, uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, good to see. I think. Uh, I, I mean, I honestly, I think. You wouldn't see that if that hadn't happened. There wouldn't be anything right. like that. So I think exactly. it, it's a miracle that you know, we had the eclipse and it went right across the U.S. And for that, I salute everyone who's written a book. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> cheers to them. Speaking of cheers, my uh, Neptune is just about empty. So I think we're at a perfect place for a break. We will be back with you uh, with a new beer, of course, and uh, some more fun stuff to talk about in just a moment. We are back to Eclipse on Tap with a couple of new beers. I'm now drinking a Full Circle Kolsch style ale from New Holland Brewing, uh, located in Holland, Michigan, on the lake shore, the beautiful Lake Michigan lake shore. Uh, significantly lighter beer than I was just drinking in, in Bell's Neptune, but um, a good Kolsch style ale, real easy drinking. I like it a lot. And what are you drinking, yeah. David? Oh, I, I broke out the old Founders Azaka India Pale. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. It's a good one. They just came out with a 15-pack in cans, so naturally... Um, you bought one. We bought a 15-pack, so, yep. It's good. Um, it's a, it's eh, about 7%, but it's it's a good beer. It's honestly for being a little bit, you know, I would say that's like a mid-tier kind of 7% or, right. you know. It's pretty good, easy drinking. Um, that is a good one. It's one of those, you know... One of those good ones to break out every once in a while, and it's it's similar to like their um, centennial, right? centennial yeah. so, sort of, yeah. So it's it's good, easy drinking. Just you know, one or two is good, and you know, features a uh, yeah. a different hop. Yeah, centennial. Yep. 
IPA from them is their kind of their uh, main their mainstream or their mainstay yep. um, mothership beer featuring Centennial hops, and then that one has Azaka hops. Yeah, good stuff. Really, yep. really good stuff. Yep, good local local brew. Yeah. So. So we are back, and we've got some uh, some interesting news to share with you. Uh, I'm sure many of you have already heard about this, and it's pretty silly, but we're going to talk about it anyway uh, for that reason. Um, about a man called Mad Mike Hughes. Yes. And, uh, yes, Mad Mike, yes. <laughs> and his um, apparent endeavor to try to prove that the Earth is flat. And he, he is a... I guess there's a... I don't know what you want to call it. A, a cult. A, a society, a cult, <laughs> a club. Mm-hmm. Um, that basically they, they call themselves flat earthers. And, it, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it's safe to assume there aren't any flat earthers listening to this podcast. But if you are listening, just take it with a grain of salt, what we're about to say. But I don't know how you would even... I, I mean, unless basically you would have to pretty much shun anything as far as NASA goes, as far as all the footage of the International Space Station, the footage of um, you know satellite footage of obviously that we have a uh, you know that's actual a spherical you know, phys- planet, physical yeah. proof that we have. But anyhow, um, yeah, this Mad Mike Hughes, uh, Mad Mike is his or kind of his nickname, but Mike Hughes, he's a uh, a limo driver on the side. Um, anyhow, he he was gonna launch himself about a mile <laughs> with a homemade rocket uh-huh. um, to basically. I think I don't know that I don't necessarily think it was to prove that the Earth was flat. I think it was to actually study and gain a little bit of knowledge as to uh, his his basis for his theory. Right. Um, to get some to, data, yeah, yeah. to get data, like it's, it's one of those things. He was going to launch himself with a homemade rocket that was actually, if you if you go online, and I please please I urge you to go look at some of these articles. And we even had some on our uh, Michigan Live MLive.com. Right, uh, they had a little article too about it. Um, he actually has a converted motorhome um, that is. L- literally the launch pad uh, yeah. for this thing. So <laughs> yeah. uh, he was actually going to launch it the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So um, he actually postponed that, and he was actually going to move it about three or four miles down the road. He said he had to postpone it and move it down the road. Um, that then further got delayed because of wind, windy conditions. Right. Um, but it's this guy. He's he's sixty one years old. Um, and it's, you know, California guy just going to launch himself up there. He, he truly believes that he's going to prove that the earth is flat. He doesn't, doesn't believe in science. Yeah, any um, science from what I understand. From, from the articles that I've read, I don't know much about the guy, but he doesn't believe in science in general. Um, it, it's just, he plans to launch this self-made rocket, um, actually this coming Monday now. Yeah. Um, that uh, December fourth, and uh, says that uh, you know he's just a daredevil and he's uh, he's not much authority for rules. Apparently uh, so. not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and this is just funny to me because you figure not only is he 
completely like avoiding all science from the last 200 years plus obviously any sort of um astro or astronomy based science yeah he's just completely neglecting all of it but on top of that he's not it's not like he's launching himself up like into into near space right he's he's launching himself up a mile yeah you can't even you can't even start to see the curvature of the earth uh, and that's what, <laughs> i feel like he's going to launch himself up a mile and be like telling you i didn't see any curve yeah it's flat i'm telling you but it it, yeah. it brings me back i a good friend of mine chandler and i um when we were just coming out of college we decided to to send up a weather balloon and we wanted to be funny and uh send up uh, a jar of jam to make some space jam for all you 90s kids who recognize the reference of the movie space jam Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. But what we did is we took a weather balloon. We sent it up with a GoPro. And it went up about 120,000 feet. So it, it was, you know, 20-plus miles high in the sky. Yeah. And when you get that high, you can see the curvature of the Earth. You're in a point where the atmosphere is becoming so thin that you're almost in near space. And eventually, of course, the weather or the helium in the balloon expands so much that it bursts. But you're getting to that point where you can see like the end we, we sent it off from western michigan you could see the entire state of michigan you could yeah. see like all of lake michigan and the curvature of the earth and it was like really cool to see and it's just that was a basic thing that we did yeah and this guy's trying to send himself up in a, in a homemade rocket a mile yeah, i th- i don't even understand the the mindset on that it, it, i don't know i, I mean like I said, it's just, I'm a, uh, I'm a very, I guess you could say, uh, ill-informed flat earth, for, uh, but do they think it's just a frisbee? Like the earth is literally like a frisbee, like or like a pancake. It's just a round flat flat pancake yeah. floating in the sky. I don't know, but basically, this guy was gonna launch himself up to take notes or you know to gain. Um, I I think it's a completely a publicity stunt to For sure, launch yeah. himself up and um you know obviously he's postponed it about four to five to who knows how many times now but right the guy's gonna launch himself up on a self-made rocket he's a self-taught rocket scientist mm-hmm. um which he actually told you know our the the journalists out there he's a self-proclaimed self-taught rocket scientist so who knows if this thing actually even flies? Yeah. I don't know if he's done a test flight. Could he um, survive a one-mile flight? I I mean, it, I, I don't think he can. I, I don't know what he's thinking. He's going to put a snorkel on his mouth and think, okay, well, yeah, this will help. But, um, yeah, I, I it's... <laughs> Yeah. It's one of those things that it's it's entertaining. I'm glad we have people like that out there. I'm glad I'm glad they're out there because it's just it's it's just hilarious to read. And I actually read that uh, shoot. It was the day before Thanksgiving. I yeah, I came read out. That. Yeah, the and article. I, I saw that on uh, space.com, and uh, just very interesting that we that we have people like that out there. That um, and obviously we have the conspiracy theorists uh, against the moon landings we have the conspiracy right. theorists against all of nasa in general yeah uh, that we've had, people think we haven't even been to humans haven't even been to space that kind of thing but it's 
it's a little it's it's I'm glad we had those people out there, but it's also very scary yeah. that those people exist. Um, yeah, you could you, you could know. almost argue that uh, that this this type of conspiracy theory, so to speak, uh, the flat earther viewpoint is the most extreme of the folks that yeah. don't believe there's a moon landing, don't believe that there's been men or women in space. This is probably the most extreme. Because yeah. the last person I think that was like publicly a flat earther was like I don't know Christopher Columbus or something I'm, <laughs> in the 1400s. That, that it the, just like literally and he he yeah I mean it, and before that it was I think uh, the Old Testament yeah um, basically these guys in ships that they hit they hit so, like the New World and like we've reached yeah. the end of yeah the edge. the world we've reached yeah. the edge it's we're gonna fall off the edge yeah. um, it but, just uh yeah uh, it's one of those things you just kind of sit and you think uh okay well here we go there's there's another one to but put it to put it into uh into pop culture terms maybe this guy is just a diehard stranger things fan <laughs> and, he, and he thinks that the earth is flat when you get to the edge you can push it but if you push it too hard you're in the upside down True that, true that. Could you, could be. <laughs> you're just floating could in the be. upside down. But to, uh, from my point of view, even if I had, even if I didn't believe in any of this space exploration, I didn't, I didn't believe in science. I didn't believe in, um, I didn't believe what I saw, based on you know. Way way back satellite footage and images of and and apollo images of you know, obviously from the you know deep space earth um you know all those all those pictures all that footage even modern day footage of the space station right going rotating around the earth um even if i didn't believe in all that you can still go to lake michigan even where we're at mm-hmm. and you can still sit on the beach and see the curvature of the earth while you're sitting on the, yeah. on the beach. So yeah. watch the horizon change yeah. and all these and sorts e- of things. All that kind of stuff you can see just while you're on like just sitting in, in an open area on on a beach or something like that. You can see that. You can see the curve, but right. I don't know. Just some people are hardwired a little differently. Yeah, I but think so. It's 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 uh it's very interesting though. I I'm interested to see if this guy actually goes through with it. Apparently no, uh, no public audience is allowed to watch the launch, but there is going to be, uh, I guess, if you go, there's there's various links and articles uh, on the internet. If you look this guy up, Mad Mike Hughes, the Flat Earther launch, just go ahead and Google that. Um, there's, I, I guess there's going to be a live feed of the launch, so... If the guy doesn't postpone it on Monday... December fourth, which is coming up quick, um, just yeah, a couple days. Yeah. So, when we're recording this currently, bear in mind this is going to come out on the eighth. Yeah. Um, we're going to release this podcast on the eighth, but bear in mind, you know, hey, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're paying attention to all the 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 news stories on that. It's very entertaining. I when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta. Yeah, I have to see this, but I, I hope the guy. I hope the guy doesn't totally kill himself yeah, and perish and into the oblivion. Um, but uh, you know, sometimes it's just 
takes people like that to, you know, put it into perspective. Yeah. Be like, <laughs> to wow. really put it into perspective. So I'm anyhow. a fortunate human being that I understand yeah. and I can accept science and I love it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's anyway. uh, it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see that we we have people that, that actually um, believe that. But it's um, uh, that are that crazy to do that. It's yeah. just it's insane to me. But totally. I'm actually the, the U.S. government has stopped him from launching it numerous times in the past, apparently. But he's now gotten to the point where he's actually doing it on private property. The actual launch, so so they don't have any. So it's it's going to be, uh, and that's why there's obviously no no one's allowed to watch it and all that kind of right, stuff, right. Uh, you know, in in real life and and actually be there on the scene and see it. But um, you know, we'll uh, wish him the best of luck on that one. But uh, yeah, just interesting uh, interesting times. Interesting but, times, yeah. interesting news for sure. So maybe for the January podcast, we'll be updating you on the status of Mad Mike Hughes. Yeah, man, so, my cues. Keep an eye out. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure uh, on the eighth when this is released, uh, he still will have not launched it. I'm sure there's probably going to be another delay of some probably, kind. Probably, most likely. Uh, obviously, figure. you have all the weather elements. You don't want to launch when it's a little too windy. You don't want to launch when there's weather. Uh, you know, inclement weather involved. So hey, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Wish I wish him the best of luck. Godspeed. Yeah. Um, Good luck, Mad we'll Mike. Yeah. Crazy. In other crazy news, we have uh, something that uh, actually was kind of uh, discovered, so to speak, in towards the end of October, but has uh, become more public news through the month of November and into this month of December. This, what they're calling the cigar-shaped asteroid. Yes, so you may I have seen this uh, on the news if you follow Space News or, or Instagram or, or whatever uh, you follow as far as space, but this comet asteroid, they have deemed it, um, the official name is Oumuamua, because it was first spotted by a telescope in Maui, Hawaii on October 18th, that telescope is called the Pan-STARRS-1, um, it was then spotted 34 separate times in the week that followed by several other different institutions, um, and you think of a comet asteroid as following this kind of ellipse-shaped orbit around the sun, like or like it's it's within our solar system, it's yeah. within the bounds or the reach of our sun. Yeah, this is something that is completely foreign to our solar system. It is an alien, in all all intents and purposes, an alien asteroid, and it's crazy. It's cool to think about. It's coming from um, a different corner of interstellar space. Um, what's the shape? What's the actual so it's shape that we're talking here? Yeah, so they they're calling it a cigar shape. So it is um, kind of this elongated shape, which is also unique um, in that it's it's not this more spherical or kind of um, cratered looking surface. It's this yeah. long um, oblong, almost shape. like pencil shape. Yeah, type yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah, right. yeah and it's um, like a giant turd. Flown through space. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. looks like that. Yep. Um, so it uh, it seems to be, at least as, according to the International um, Astronomical Union's Minor Planet Center, or the MPC for short, they suggest that we're witnessing this uh, asteroid body um, that it has escaped from another star. So it has somehow escaped orbit from another sun somewhere. That or star, blows my mind. And is 
just randomly come across our solar system. That that's just cool. And it's, it's traveling at in a ridiculous speed though. And it's gaining speed. And it's yeah. Uh, apparently, when we're, we're as we're talking now, it has probably tra- traveled well outside our solar system. But even when they were talking about it in October, it was on its course traveling out of the solar system at approximately 85,700 miles per hour That's, and gaining. Yeah. Just flying through the solar system. And it's probably been gaining since it left yeah. wherever it came from. Right. Which is, that's what, like, I just, that's what draws me to why I'm here. It's like, completely blows my mind, all these, all these things that are out there that we don't even know about, like, these weird... You yeah, know, weird, weird, weird things that are out there in deep space that we don't even know. And, you know, call me a kook or a spook, but that is just cool that we have, it like, is. it's just there's stuff out there that we have no idea. And we have this giant pencil-shaped asteroid that no one's ever seen anything like that before. And just so happens we, we saw it coming right through our solar system mm-hmm. going ridiculous speed yeah and it's just flying through it, it like i can't even it's just crazy like there's stuff out there and you think if that's out there what else is out there yeah exactly you know, it, like, it kind of puts it into perspective as far as um beyond our solar system you know growing up you learn about the solar system in class you learn about the sun um and how everything orbits around it and you you know you know that the universe is out there yeah with some regards but to actually have something coming from like a deep corner, a pocket of space from another star. It's like, crazy. Yeah, That's that yeah. is so cool, um, and just the unusual shape kind of brought news to it all. Uh, now, it, it of course was very very far from the Earth. There was yeah. no there was no chance that it was going to even come close to the to the Earth. But it was detected in our solar system. Also, the fact that we can detect something like that is pretty pretty cool. Yeah, too. that's that's pretty awesome. Um, do we know as far as like a, a size comparison between the actual size of it and our, you know, our planet, what it would be compared to? Do we know anything like that? Uh, from what I understand, it's it's actually quite small. Okay. Um, I think it was uh, pretty small overall. NASA has a really interesting rendition of it um, on their Instagram, and I'm sure on their on their site as well. Um, a news article here says the latest new discovery relates Umamua's shape, which should be familiar to anyone who listened to alien-loving conspiracy theorists back in the 1990s. Apparently, the asteroid is long and skinny, much like a cigar, like we said, and it is or a spinning, turd or a turd. It's spinning constantly as it travels, as if some otherworldly explosion or cataclysmic event picked up the little rock and tossed it across the galaxy. Like a gigantic throwing knife. That's crazy. Kind of an interesting uh, theory there. Well, but, um, and we, at the end of the day, we think it was an asteroid. Could have been, been something a, could else. Have been a, could have been a ship. Never or know. Something like that. Spaceship. You never know. But X Files. Yep. X Files. All the way. But, but yeah, the rendition is pretty cool. I would recommend checking it out. Of course, it's just a you know kind of a CGI rendition. Yeah. Um, but it kind of puts into perspective of what this thing looks like. I mean, yeah. It just. Really neat. Just imagine, yeah, something like that. Like, all the things, we, we live in this little bubble of our everyday life, and we know the things that we have here. And that, you know, that brings me to the eclipse 
when we had the totality and everyone looked up at the sky and thought, oh my gosh, I, I couldn't imagine I could see something like that. I didn't know that something like that was that awesome. We, we see the moon as it is in the night sky when we have a full moon. And we think, oh, that's, you know, that's just the moon. You know, we're right. used to seeing something like that. But when you go to a totality, you think, oh, my gosh, I'm not used to seeing something like that. Um, just imagine if we could, you know, see something like that in the night sky or see in the, you know, even yeah. at daytime or something. People, like, th- there's stuff out there like that that we don't even have, we can't even comprehend that's yeah. out there that's coming towards us, that's flying through our solar system and mm-hmm. probably that's, or even outside our solar system, way outside, light years away, that we don't even know about, that would probably just, we would even, we would drop to our knees if we saw it. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. Just, it's crazy. It, it's incredible. And some yeah. of the more technical specs of this uh, comet asteroid, the observation arc was 34 days. So after 34 days, they could no longer detect it. Yep. Um, seemingly well beyond our solar system and into the great beyond. Um Dimensions of it really are quite small. This is crazy. So it was about estimated between 180 and 200 meters long and 30 by 30 meters um, tall and wide. Wow. So like very long and skinny, but even really not that long. It's kind of like this little sliver flying through space from some interstellar deep pocket of another star. Um, Yeah. yeah, Pretty cool. And flying at incredible incredible speeds oh yeah 80 what do you say 85,000 85,000 miles, plus yeah. miles per hour yeah, yeah. um really, really imagine neat. that 85,000 miles an hour yeah yeah <clears throat> and gaining speed yeah so yeah for every everything it yeah it, it says um accounting for uh proper motion it would have taken this asteroid 600,000 years to reach the solar system from their thinking it came from um, the star Vega. So 600,000 years to reach us. To reach us. So 600,000 years ago it came from this star and it just reached us. And that that just, wow. That, that just tells you how ancient the solar, the, the, just the, not, not obviously the solar system, but our solar system is, but space in general is like the deep space the infinity that is space right how old it is it's just it's insane yeah it's one of those things that just blows your mind when you you can't even when you start thinking about it you just you have to stop it's just it hurts your head yeah (laughs) you just makes your head spin it i it's just wow wow yeah you know vega is uh the brightest star in the constellation Lyra and the fifth brightest star in the night sky. So uh, scientists are estimating, or, or based on their best calculations, that it's coming from that star or nearby. Um, Which, in that case, we're seeing, you know, we don't have the, the facts right now, but, okay, so, you know, how many light years away is that star? Um, that's, you know... The light we're seeing from that star is how old. Like, just you start, you start thinking about that kind of stuff. It's like, that's right. just, it's it's insane. That star could be actually long gone by now. Yeah. We don't even know it yeah. because we we're seeing. We can't even see it yet. Yeah. We're seeing the light based on how many light years it's taken to yeah. get to us. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, that, that's crazy. that star yeah. may have implo- imploded hundreds of thousands of yeah. years ago. And we're, we're still seeing the, the remaining light. Um, yeah. 
So it, the interesting thing too is that none of the approximately 750,000 known asteroids and comets that have been you know, tabulated over the course of, of um, our space technology age, none of those have been even thought to have originated outside of our solar system. That's, and then this one did. Um, that's why it made such absolutely, news. absolutely amazing. Like it just puts it into perspective, which is why I urge everyone to just stop looking at their phone and look up and just yep. appreciate what we're looking at because the stuff that we're looking at in the night sky right now, it might, it it could be that that's you have to think about that how far away it is. No one really understands. I think. In, from in general, um, people who really understand it, who actually pay attention to astronomy and understand how yeah. far away things are, all that kind of stuff, understand, okay, I'm looking at something that's how many umpteen thousand light years away. Yeah. And you have to think about, okay, light years away. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking at something that might not might have gone supernova might have gone like might might not even be there anymore that i'm still seeing like this puts it totally like it makes you feel like oh my god this is this is we're living in this like mystery yeah we're, it's just we don't even know we don't even we know what's no that idea it's just you like know. yeah if you just to look up the definition of what a light year is just one light year Think about the speed of light. When you turn on a light, how fast it enters your eyeballs. Yeah. And that it would take a full year for that exact light to come and you yeah. know, interact with you. And then you're talking thousands of light years. It's just... Yeah. Millions of light yeah, years hundreds in some of cases. thousands, millions. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah. So that's the news about the Oumuamua comet. If, if only we could figure out how to go light speed. Exactly. Like, well, in, then uh, like in Star Wars. Yeah. But, you know, like... Honestly, I think that's that could be. It's probably not within our lifetime, but hey, hey, leave it, it to Elon it, Musk. <laughs> leave it to Elon Musk and SpaceX. We'll, we'll they'll figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> someday, someday. But yeah, um, just crazy, crazy stuff that um, we want to report it to you because we think it's something that you know the general public needs to wake up and look at that kind of stuff appreciate yes we have a lot of stuff happening in our everyday life in the uh you know whether it's your your personal everyday life to your work everyday life to your you know the you know your your state your country globally um but stuff like that it's good to take your mind off it and look at the big picture and look hey we had a asteroid that is ancient ancient asteroid that came through our solar system that you know and just to look up and just to really appreciate that kind of stuff that's that's real life to me that's real life that's yeah. that's something that's 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 part of us you know we're made from we're made from stars basically right and literally we're made from the 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 star the stars in the solar system that's what that's why we're here and that's what we need to appreciate and I obviously you have to be cognizant of everything in your everyday life and um, the the politics and the crazy stuff that's happening, the crazy people that are leading countries in our world that are lunatics. But you have to just appreciate, I think it's a good thing to, to tune into why we're all here. Yeah. 
Let's move on to our planet of the month, the closest planet to our sun, Mercury. So even though we were drinking Bell's Neptune beer, we are going to talk about Mercury this month um, for a couple of reasons. And one being that, um, like we saw uh, back in 2012, when Venus transited the sun, Mercury is um, has an upcoming transit of the sun, which will be the first time since 2006 it is happening on November 11th, 2019. So 2019 is going to be a big year. We got our solar yeah. eclipse in Chile. We got a Mercury transit yep. of the sun, and to see a planet transit the sun is pretty cool, uh, pretty rare. Um, something definitely that uh, all the astronomers out there are going to want to take notice of, because yep. um, it's just a neat sight. Hopefully, get a few photos from it. Uh, we'll we'll for sure be there. It's uh, one of those little little things that we take for granted in everyday life and um you know like the the transit of venus and stuff like that we've we've talked about in previous podcasts yep um one of one of those things it's very rare um not going to happen all the time one of the you just have to go up you got to look and yep. uh and and really i the best way i could put it is you got to cherish it it's one of those things that um people take for granted so yeah, get a hold of uh, a telescope, maybe like some of the ones that we were talking about earlier in the yep. podcast before our break. With a, you know, throw a solar filter on your on your uh, scope after you've gotten to learn how to use it and uh, witness that event. And um, like I said, it's the first time since 2006 that that will be occurring. Um, so definitely not something you see once a year or once every few years. Yeah, uh, pretty few and far between. It, it's it's kind of like a. Total solar eclipse, only yeah. it's the, uh, yeah. A transit. A yeah. transit, yeah. It'll be so. very very cool to see. Yeah. Some more uh, kind of interesting facts about Mercury, our closest planet to the sun within our solar system. A day on the surface of Mercury lasts the equivalent of 176 Earth days. It's crazy. Yeah, crazy. It's a long day. Be crazy. ready for it. <laughs> crazy. But, and another thing I'll note is that one of the cool things about a transit of another planet in front of the sun is that you get really get the it's not a true uh, interpretation of the actual size of the planet compared to our sun mm-hmm. but it, it's similar because obviously Mercury's we're looking at it and it's it, it looks larger to us through our telescope transiting the sun than it actually is compared to the sun right um, but it really, at the end of the day, looks. It, you you can definitely get a feel for how big our sun actually is, because the sun obviously is quite a ways away. Yeah. And to see a, another planet crossing, especially you know you look at Venus and all that transiting the sun, and you get a a, a decent real life example of okay, the sun is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely huge. And there's this little dot, little pen. Yeah, print basically going across mm-hmm. the sun. Um, obviously, it's going to look a little larger than it actually is compared to the sun in uh, in you know in real terms because we're looking at it through a telescope. But uh, it definitely gives you a good eye-opening, you know, point of view from uh, that standpoint of uh, hey, this you know this. To me, it's like, hey, hey, this is kind of cool, but very um, cool. Yeah, definitely a celestial event you want to keep your eyes peeled for. Uh, and speaking of the size of Mercury, 
Mercury has a diameter of 4,879 kilometers, making it the smallest planet in our solar system. That is uh, 3,031 miles. Put that into perspective. The United States, the width of the United States is 2,680 miles. Yeah. Not that much smaller. So it is a very small planet within our solar system. And the moon, our own moon to, uh, to Earth, is 2,159 miles in diameter. So it's just a little bit larger than the moon. Unless you count um, Pluto. Unless you count planet. Pluto as yeah. a planet. If yeah. you, it's, it's a controversy, right? But yeah. uh, I count Pluto as a planet still. I'm a Pluto believer. Um, but, I believe. Um, and obviously, if you look at... If you go on... You go online. You look at like the size. You can actually you can look up size comparisons of mm-hmm. planets, and they, they people put in the scale and you know computer animated you know models and all that, and it's really cool to see actually. Um, but Pluto is tiny. It's smaller than our Super moon. Super small, yeah. So you just put that in all into perspective. It just it, it's one of the, it blows your mind, but it's awesome. Yeah. It's cool to see. So very cool to see. Yeah. Uh, last fun fact about Mercury: it has no moons or rings. So it's just its own little... It's just a little loner out Just a little loner, real close there. to the sun. Real close. Nice and warm. And interestingly, though... Very um, warm, probably. Yeah. I, uh, I found that Mercury is not the hottest planet. Venus actually has... What we talked about last month is Venus is our yep. planet of the month. Um, is actually has had recorded temperatures being much hotter than Mercury, um, even though it's the second planet in, um, in line from the sun. Yeah. So kind of interesting, but Mercury is also the most cratered planet of all the planets. Mm-hmm. So uh, a very interesting. Which you planet. Won- you wonder why that's the case. Yeah, you, you wonder start, if you it's maybe thinking, yeah. maybe maybe little asteroid bits and things are pulled. Just that that sun is such a big body in space yeah. that the gravity of it just gets pulled. In. I don't know. It just one of those things that you know turns the wheels in your head. You're like, okay, well. What caused that? Right. You know, why is that the case? So why is this? You know, and that's one of those things that we still like with all the things we know, all the things we think we know. There's still that much mystery in our our own solar system, let alone outside our solar system. Exactly, so it's pretty crazy. Has it's it's just incredible. So that's yeah. Mercury. Uh, next month we'll feature a new planet, and we'll continue to do so until we've hit all the planets, including Pluto. We'll Pluto hit Pluto. <laughs> We're gonna hit Pluto because we had some, you know, good news uh, and good footage of, of Pluto um, from a, a recent satellite that had passed by. Passed but we'll get by. to that later on. But yep. in a, a future podcast. But definitely. Yep. Um, moving on here to our astronaut of the month, um, something we featured for the first time last month with Gene Cernan. Uh, this month we're featuring Jim Lovell as our astronaut of the month. Jim Lovell was uh, the pilot of Gemini 7, the commander of Gemini 12, and the command module pilot of Apollo 8, and the commander of Apollo 13. Jim Lovell. Jim Lovell. The man. I love that guy. I actually, saw, I actually saw him... Uh, the only, I mean, my family believes me, but I, so I did see him. I was in an airport... Local Grand Rapids, uh, Gerald R. Ford Airport. I was headed to do a bike race, and I was standing in a, in one of the terminals and waiting to get on my flight. And this this guy walks out of the jetway, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, 
I do a double take, and I'm like, that is, I, I, I'm pretty sure I just saw Jim Lovell. He was actually there in Grand Rapids to do a, um, a speech with Gene Kranz um, at the, at the, basically at the airport, at the airport, at, at the, at the airport to uh, speak to a group of people about um, basically space flight, um, went on and on about um, space exploration, this, that, the other, and, and basically, uh, it, you know, I guess inspire younger people about, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether that's not necessarily space flight in general, but um, flight in general. Um, so I actually saw him, and that that was the highlight of my life. So That's cool. Yeah. Super cool. Jim Lovell's The Man. December 21st, 1968, the first manned spacecraft to orbit the moon, Apollo 8, came within 70 miles of the surface, and Jim Lovell was the command module pilot of that mission. Yep. So pretty cool. And of course, the the uh, infamous Apollo 13 is the commander of that. Uh, if you don't know, there's a movie about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, a pretty incredible guy. Um, someone that's uh, similar to Gene Cernan is one of those figures in um, space history yep. that uh, we can all look up to and be inspired by. Yep. And he's, um, he's one of those guys that... W- one of the only guys we have around still that'll um, that we have to actually deliver the message of Apollo um, mm-hmm. and 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 really kind of put that into perspective for everybody, all the younger crowds and um, that that haven't really necessarily um, heard a lot about you know what it was back in the day with all the what it took to the the right stuff to get to the moon and yep. you know. I look back at, at Apollo 8, and I'm I'm thinking that was uh, that was one of the ballsiest missions that we ever oh for sure yeah. uh, underwent as a country and as a human you know race. It was uh, pretty crazy because they they went from a uh, Apollo 8 was originally supposed to be a uh, Earth orbital mission. Yeah, uh, and they they decided to say you know. We're we're just gonna go straight to the moon because we have to one up the Russians and that was uh, it's incredible. You can't you can't put that into words. That's that's absolutely crazy. Let's uh, let's make it a figure eight. Yeah, let's around make it a figure eight. Let's go around the moon. We'll do ten laps, ten orbits. They did around the moon. Yeah, uh, incredible. Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, um, Bill Anders. It, like I can't I can't even really imagine that. And they did it during. One of the most touching things is that they did it uh, during Christmas, actually. So, right, um, they caught the famous Earthrise photo um, yep. around the moon, um, and that that's uh, one of those images that you you don't get out of your mind whenever you Google Apollo, whenever you look up up Apollo in a book or a textbook or anything like that. It's one of the first pictures that you see. Yep. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. I can't imagine seeing the Earth rise over the horizon of the moon while I'm orbiting the, the moon. So, Yeah, just um, 70, the, the image taken just 70 miles off the surface of the moon, looking yep. at the Earth that far away. Uh, coming up, it looks you know like it's sliced in half, um, and the other half of the, of the Earth is still in the 
the black abyss, the shadow, the sun. It's just, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. So a, a mission that definitely, um, you could only make the Apollo, the whole of the whole mission of the whole Apollo program stronger. Just keep that's, that's what kept it going, I think. And all, all the interviews you hear uh, from Jim Lovell about that mission, um, I think, honestly, that's one of the, aside from Apollo 13, uh, as far as Apollo missions go, that's one of the ones that he said, um, we needed that for this country yeah. to get to the moon because Absolutely. It was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on politically uh, in the United States in 1968 that, we we just needed a pick me up as i yeah. guess you could say and yeah. it was uh one of those things that, that to have that happen and to have that live broadcast of, of them going around the moon with the earth rise and uh just very i guess uh humbling to kind of hear all that and 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 to, i mean for me obviously as a uh, you know 29 year old in today's age to I, I just look back on it and I'm like I I wish I would have lived in that in that time but yeah um, and it's funny awesome, you yeah. know you think it, it like the phrase it brings it back to earth like it yeah. literally it brings it back to earth they were orbiting the moon and it brought it back to us and you know, we can yeah. do this we're this close yeah we can do this we can yeah. land men on the moon yeah and they did and and that was uh that was uh that was a kingpin mission. Yep. yep. It really was. It was. So Jim Lovell, our astronaut of the month. He is the man. He's the man. He is yep. the man. Moving on for uh, a new little feature for our program. We're calling it What's Up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> We're gonna call it What's Up for December. Of course, next month will be What's Up for January, but it's a little feature we'd like to uh, talk about. What is up in the sky? Some of the main f- things that you could look up, whether with the naked eye or with a telescope, and see. Um, you could call it little news tidbits, but really just things to look out for um, following the, uh, the publishing of this podcast. So the first one would be, um, given that this will be published on the 8th of December, Shortly after, on December 14th, is the Geminid meteor shower. So, always a cool thing. Yep. Always cool to see. Looking up at the sky, and you, you put your your eye on something on one static point for five minutes, and see a couple things fly past your eye. Really, really cool to see. That's, um, from what I know, that's about right around ballpark 100 per hour you're going to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, if you're in a dark dark location where you, there's not a lot of light pollution. So, yep. At least yeah. from at least from our area in the Midwest of Grand Rapids, you'll see uh, about 57 degrees above the horizon. Yeah. You'll see about 84 meteors per hour as okay. an estimate. So you're right. Yeah. Right around 184 um, pretty high in the sky um, and you know, to maximize your chance of seeing the meteors like you said, you want to be in the darkest point you can be. Um, these are, uh, definitely something you want to maybe take your kids out to see if you can, uh, if, if you're willing to let them stay up that late. Yeah. Um, which you should be, you should be, it's cool. Just to, just to have them, you know, say, Hey, Hey, little, little son, Timmy, little Timmy, look up at that spot and keep your eye on it for about five minutes and just see a few things just like fly past your eye. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It, it, it's inspiring. 
Very so inspiring. One yeah. of the meteor showers we'll see for sure. Uh, December 21st, of course, is the winter solstice. That will be the shortest day of 2017 within our northern hemisphere, the shortest day of the year. Yep. Uh, everything from December 22nd on is all going uphill as far as getting that sunlight back in our life. Yep. Um, right now it's thank feeling... Thank you, God. Yeah, yeah, thank you, because it's uh, it's feeling like it's getting dark at about 4 p.m. nowadays, yep. Yep. which is no fun. You but, go to work uh, and it's dark. You get out of work and it's dark. Yeah. But, hey... If you're an astronomer, and if you're if you're an amateur astronomer, like I am, that might be a good thing. Then that's a very good thing because uh, hell, you can see whatever you want. The re- the real things you want to see are in the dark. Let me tell you that. Yep. Yep. That's a good point yep. right there. December twenty second, the day after the winter solstice, we have another meteor shower, the Ursid meteor shower. Uh, it actually maxim is is maximally viewed on the twenty second, the night of. Uh, some shooting stars will actually be associated with the shower uh, as early as December 17th and okay. all the way through December 25th. December Christmas 25th. Christmas Day. Right. I'm going out on December 24th, Christmas Eve, and I'm watching myself some Ursid meteor shower. It's going to be a Christmas miracle. Looking would, at some meteors. I would hope you'd invite me to that. Yeah. But we yeah. Should, hey, you know what? I'm, yeah. I'll be here in Grand Rapids because yeah. we... My wife and I, we alternate Christmas and Thanksgiving between the two families, and this year we're in Grand Rapids yeah. for Christmas. So we're going out and we're watching the Ursid meteor shower. Well, there you go. Eclipse on tap will be there. Eclipse um, on tap will be stationed. We'll be stationed there. Uh, 33 degrees above your northern horizon, at least from the point of Grand Rapids, Michigan, or the general Midwest. Um, that would be 33 degrees at about midnight on the 22nd. That means you'll see um, about 5 to 10 meteors per hour, so much less than you would in the Geminid, but uh, still cool. you probably see a few. You'll your, see a few. Your eye will catch yeah. a few. It's, it's nothing few. Uh, nothing incredible, but still something to, to maybe uh, bear the cold for 30 minutes and check it out. If you're on a date, lay on your uh, front hood of your car, lay out there for an hour or two, you'll probably see something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, so something to, to look forward to for Christmas Eve. Yep. Christmas Day, but it will be maximized as far as the viewing standpoint from on the twenty second. So, that whole uh, point up leading into Christmas, uh, be on the lookout for the Ursid meteor shower. But with that said, that's what's up for December. That's what that 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 is what's up. Um, one thing we didn't mention. For December seventh, as an anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, Apollo seventeen launched. Ooh, uh, what a on good December anniversary! 7th. So that that to me, that's a huge thing. Uh, I'm a huge Gene Cernan fan. Uh, boy, it it launched from uh, Cape Canaveral back Apollo seventeen. So um, the last man on the yeah, moon. Last man on the moon. So that's uh, that's one of those things you uh, you want to take note of. Uh, a lot of uh, December launches, I guess, or December Apollo significance. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, a lot of launches around that time, so that's another thing to, to keep on the, the calendar going forward. December seventh, Apollo seventeen launched. So yeah, so the time that you're listening to this on December eighth, think about it. You're listening to it and be like, you know what? Yesterday, a lot of years ago, that was the last time someone touched foot on the moon. Yep. Crazy. Hopefully, Crazy. May, you know, maybe somebody soon. We'll touch foot on the moon again. I think we will. I think we will. I think we got it coming to us. It's 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 coming. But uh, I'm I'm patient. I'm patiently waiting. Yes. Just like patiently waiting for the next eclipse. Yep. 
But uh, being yeah. an astronomer, as far well, at least if you're an eclipse chaser, it requires some patience. Yeah. But the patience will pay off. Yeah. And um, and with that said, I think we will uh, be ready to chat with you again in January. We'll have a whole bunch more news for you. We'll talk about some more eclipse news. Talk about a couple other things. We'll hit you back with some Mad Mike Hughes and news. We, we've got some special things up our sleeves for January um, that we, as far as topics go, that we'll, we'll uh, release as the time comes. And you, you can follow us on Instagram, at Eclipse on Tap. Yep. Uh, and also Twitter. Twitter, at Eclipse on Tap as so well. We'll, we'll. We'll keep it simple for you. Yeah, we'll release those things as, as the time comes. Absolutely. Uh, we got to build the hype up, but, uh, you know, Things are building up. Um, we're having fun doing this, um, and uh, I, I think it's going to be next month is going to be great. Uh, it will and, be, and going forward is going to be even better. So, yeah. And if you want to send us any messages, and you're not into the social media game, you can also send us an email at eclipseontap at gmail dot com. Uh, yeah. Suggestions, sure. anything. Yep. If you if you saw the eclipse, I keep we keep saying this every every podcast. If you if you have a video of the eclipse, if you have anything, send it to us. DM us. Yeah, direct message us. Anything, we'll we'll post it. We'll we'll look at it. Um, Retweet it. We we need to get people excited about this. Yes. Not not necessarily just the eclipse. We want people excited about the next eclipse or eclipses in general. Yep. We want people to become eclipse chasers, but. We want people excited about the night the night sky. We want people excited about everything astronomy. Uh, that's our goal. We want people looking up, not looking down. Yep. Um, branch out. You know, we're all busy in life, but if you have kids, even if even if you just want to look up, if you're on your own, you want to look up the night sky. We we want people inspired by this. This is this is what we're pumped about. This is what we want. So. Yeah, absolutely. DM us a photo on Instagram. Tweet us. We'll retweet you. Send us an email. We'll be looking out for you, fellow Eclipse chasers. And with that said, we'll see you in January. Cheers. See you later. See you.